From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Parliament is struggling with how to handle the case of Senator David Van, who continues to strenuously deny allegations of sexual harassment and assault levelled by Senator Lydia Thorpe and others. The case shows how, over a year after the Jenkins review into the culture at Parliament House, it remains uniquely incapable of handling complaints, finding the truth and providing a safe workplace for all. Today, Chief Political Correspondent at the Saturday paper, Karen Middleton, on why people can stay in Parliament long after they've been accused of sexual assault. It's Wednesday, June 28. Karen, over a week ago now, Liberal Senator David Van was accused of sexual misconduct, first by Green Senator Lydia Thorpe and then by two other women. Since those allegations emerged, what has happened to Van? As such, I met with Senator Van this morning and a short time ago, I advised Senator Van uh, of my decision that he should no longer sit in the Liberal Party party room. Well, first of all, the opposition leader, Peter Dutton, kicked him out of the coalition party room. I want to make clear, very clear, that I'm not making any judgment on the veracity of allegations or any individual's guilt or innocence. Peter Dutton doesn't have a wide range of powers because of the way the Liberal Party is structured. It's structured with a lot of state divisions and then of the federal overarching body. But what he did do was say, you are no longer welcome to sit in the Liberal Party room, in the joint party room. She wanted to keep her story private, but Amanda Stoker says she felt she could no longer stay silent. after hearing Now, after Senator Lydia Thorpe first made her allegation against uh, Senator Van, we then saw former Liberal Senator Amanda Stoker come forward and allege that Senator Van had touched her inappropriately at a parliamentary function three years ago. Well, she's released a statement detailing uh, what she says happened at a social gathering in a parliamentary office in November three years ago. She says Senator Van inappropriately touched her uh, at that party. And that she had objected strongly, had a meeting with him the next day. He had agreed it would never happen again. You just said allegations on the Today Show this morning. You raised the spectre of another complaint apart from that made by Amanda Stoker. Now, that's obviously, what, a member of your party? Uh, Ray, I I don't want to go into the detail because there's a person who uh, I understand doesn't want to be uh, identified. There was also a third allegation that Peter Dutton said he'd received from an unnamed parliamentarian. They're Hmm. allegations of a similar nature to to those relating to Senator Stoker and and it caused me uh, great concern. Senator Van protested strongly and said that he had done nothing wrong, denied the allegations. He was then under pressure to resign from the Liberal Party altogether and, in fact, he did that before the party at the Victorian level could expel him. I've got to say, uh, I wasn't really aware, I don't think terribly, that he was ever in the Senate. Uh, and I, uh, So you hadn't I, heard of any bad behaviour or...? 
No, I'd never heard of him, really. I don't think, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, and I'd be very comfortable if he never returned to the Senate. There you go. There you go. PM, um, another change. After that, he faced pressure to quit the parliament. Now, he, as a senator, can stay on in the parliament, even if he's no longer a member of the party that he belonged to when he was elected. He can sit on the crossbench, and that seems to be what he's planning to do. But a range of people from Peter Dutton to the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, and the opposition Senate leader, Simon Birmingham, all called on him to quit the parliament. But for the time being, he's remaining within the parliament, but as an independent. Mm. Okay, so despite significant pressure then from both sides of politics and from the leader of his former party, Senator Van hasn't quit parliament. Why is he resisting taking that step? Well, he insists he's done nothing wrong. He said he also hasn't been afforded procedural fairness in the statements that Peter Dutton made when he removed Senator Van from the party room. And the senator doesn't have to quit the parliament. And this is one of the quirks, I guess, of the constitutional system. Under our constitution, members of the House of Representatives and members of the Senate uh, have a range of things they have to uphold in order to stay members. They have to be Australian citizens and can't be citizens of another country. They can't have an office of profit under the Crown. They can't be working for the government in, in another capacity. They can't be um, subject to allegations of treason and they can't be convicted of an offence that is punishable by a year or more in jail. But short of that, if they face other allegations that haven't been tested and proven in a court of law, then they can stay on. And that's what Senator Van is relying on when he says he doesn't need to go anywhere. He feels that he has a contribution to make, his term is not up yet, and that he will stay in the parliament until that term is up. Now, because he's left the Liberal Party, the Liberal Party will pre-select someone else for the next federal election involving the Senate. And David Van would have to think about whether he contests that seat as an independent. It's unlikely he would win it. So he's now on borrowed time in the Senate, but he will spend that time on the crossbench. Right. So to be clear then, Karen, is it the case if allegations of sexual misconduct are made against a person when it comes to Parliament as a workplace and how it handles those allegations, there is no mechanism to force someone who has been voted in by the public to stand aside. That's right. The public are the arbiters. The voters put people into Parliament and the voters remove people unless they decide to remove themselves by resigning. So in this case, Peter Dutton took the steps that really were the only steps available to him at the moment. He suspended David Van from his party room and then he referred the allegations to this new body, uh, a new authority that's been set up within Parliament. Um, the allegations that have been uh, brought to my attention, I've referred to uh, the Parliamentary uh, Workplace Authority in the Parliament, which is independent of the parties. and The Parliamentary Workplace Support Service, also known as the PWSS, and that is a body that is really set up to mediate and has some limited powers of investigation, but really can't go a lot further than that. Right. So opposition leader Peter Dutton has referred the allegations against Senator Van to the Parliamentary Workplace Support Service, but that is a body that has limited investigative powers. So why is it that that body is the only option available? In the wake of the allegations that were raised about the culture in Parliament House and parliamentary workplaces in general back in 2021 after the former Liberal advisor Brittany Higgins levelled an allegation relating to an incident in Parliament House, we saw a, a huge outpouring of anger about 
attitudes to women in general and particularly within the building. And what resulted from that were a series of processes, including the report by the then Sex Discrimination Commissioner, Kate Jenkins, entitled Set the Standard. And that made a series of recommendations about what should happen in Parliament House. The implementation of those are underway, but they're not completed yet. So what we have at the moment is one body, the Parliamentary Workplace Support Service, which is designed as a body to mediate where there are disputes among uh, employers in the building who are the parliamentarians mostly and employees, their staff. Uh, Sometimes it can mediate in disputes between parliamentarians themselves and that's, I guess, what this case would be. It's really focused mostly on mediation. It isn't a body that has enforcement powers. It doesn't have the power to uh, undertake a full-blown investigation. It, it does have some limited investigatory powers, but it doesn't have any powers to punish somebody, to apply any kind of sanctions. So while Peter Dutton has referred these allegations to really the only body that does exist at the moment in the parliament to deal with any kinds of disputes in the workplace, it's not a body that can really do a lot about it. And it certainly can't issue any kind of penalty. There are other changes that are in the works that could ultimately lead to a more full-blown investigation and potentially sanctions, but they are still being negotiated. We'll be back in a moment. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Karen, we've been talking about what's actually available in Parliament to deal with allegations of harassment made against parliamentarians. And it seems currently there is a void there, but you said that there are moves underway that could ultimately lead to a more full-blown investigation when accusations are made. So tell me more about that. What are we likely to see? Yes, Kate Jenkins recommended that we see the establishment of a body that she said should be called the Independent Parliamentary Standards Commission. Misconduct is often dealt with as a political problem rather than as a people issue. As a result, we heard that people are often punished for reporting misconduct, while others are protected, rewarded or even promoted for engaging in misconduct. And that would be a body that would enforce a code of conduct on the occupants in parliamentary workplaces. Now, there's never been a formal code of conduct for members of parliament and senators before. There's a code of conduct that applies to ministers, but nothing that applies broadly across the parliament to MPs and senators, nothing that applies to people in other jobs within the parliament, in other roles. Those codes of conduct have now been drafted and agreed upon between parties and independents across the parliament, which is quite an achievement, but they haven't yet been 
legislated in any form and the body that will oversee them, enforce them and then determine whether they've been breached and what sanctions should be applied has not yet been set up. And part of the reason for that is that those processes have not yet been agreed. So while the code of conduct has been agreed, the process for investigating if there's been a breach hasn't been agreed yet and they haven't agreed yet on what should be the sanctions, whether somebody could be removed from a particular parliamentary position like the chair of a committee or uh, from an overseas delegation, whether they could have their pay docked or some other kind of sanction that might be applied. And this is where things will get more complicated because those negotiations still have to take place between all the members of the various parties in the parliament and the independents. And they are all represented on a, a task force that was set up to start to deal with these things. So they still have those matters to negotiate and agree. And there are some other matters too relating to the legislation that governs the way employers and employees operate in the building, the way that uh, parliamentarians and their staff interact and the various rights and obligations of each. The Members of Parliament Staff Act is the legislation and there'll be some amendments coming forward to that as well to uh, make sure that those roles are clarified. And they also have to be changed to reflect changes in workplace law broadly that now imposes a positive obligation on employers to have a workplace that is safe from sexual harassment and bullying and other kinds of intimidation of employees. It's not enough to just say anymore that as an employer you weren't aware that things were going on. You have to positively provide a workplace where they're not going on and, and the Members of Parliament Staff Act has to be amended to reflect that as well. Mm. And you mentioned the Parliamentary Leadership Task Force, which is a group of MPs and senators uh, from across party lines and their job is to implement the recommendations of the Jenkins Review. I know that you've been talking to some of those task force members since the allegations against David Van were made. Can you tell me a bit about those conversations, what they've made of it, and do they think that more needs to change for Parliament to be able to, to handle allegations like this in Parliament? Yes. So that task force is being led by Vivian Tom, who's a former senior bureaucrat, and it involves representatives of the parties and independents across the parliament. And Katie Gallagher, the Minister for Women, is the most senior of those. Now, Senator Gallagher says that the government is working very hard to get through all of Kate Jenkins's recommendations and that, that it has got support across the parliament to do that, which she's welcomed very much. She's saying the structures are being put in place so that the changes that they introduce will last and that it's very important to have the buy-in of the various parties to make sure that that occurs. And she says the government is very committed to that occurring. The opposition equally has similar sentiments saying that it's very committed to making sure that these things are negotiated carefully and slowly and with everybody's agreement so that you don't see things break down and aspects of them abandoned in the future. Where there is some hesitation, I guess, is on the, among crossbenchers who are slightly concerned that things aren't moving along as quickly as they should. When Kate Jenkins's report came out in November 2021, she recommended that these changes be in place within 12 months. So of course, we're now almost two years on from that and we're still seeing the negotiation. Part of that is because there was a federal election in the middle and that always disrupts the processes of parliament, including this sort of thing. But I think there's a sense now from some in the crossbench and some in the Greens that it, they need to get on with it. And I suppose the allegations that have emerged in the last couple of weeks against Senator Van have highlighted that these processes are still 
churning their way through and haven't yet been nailed down. Mm. Yeah, it does seem to be taking a long time, Karen. I mean, it's been years since Brittany Higgins first raised her allegations and, and this conversation about women's safety in Canberra, that was happening even before then. And so I think it kind of begs the question that, you know, despite all of this talk about needing change, if the reality is that Parliament House continues to be a workplace in which someone who is accused of sexual misconduct cannot be stood down while being investigated, then can it really be taken as seriously as it needs to be? Well, it is difficult. It's a complicated process and it is important, and this is what Senator Van has said, to have due process and fair processes as well. You need to have a process that both respects the person making a complaint and the person against whom the complaint is made, and that's where the difficulty comes in. It's a strange atmosphere in Parliament House. It's a strangely set-up building because each of those MPs and senators are technically small business employers. Each of them is deemed to be the employer of their staff, and that in itself has made it really difficult to mediate in disputes within the offices, let alone when they get to the level of an allegation of this nature or even worse. So it is a a difficult process. It is a strange workplace, but I think equally it's time now that they got on with it to make sure that these processes are in place because the credibility of their assurances about enacting what Kate Jenkins said was so important is on the line. And I think all the parliamentarians want to keep faith with the public who expressed their view very strongly at the time that think they all had to do better. Karen, thank you for your time. Thanks, Ruby. Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays, but her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloane about Grief is for People. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, New South Wales police say they're treating the murder of a man in Sydney's eastern suburbs as an organised crime hit. Police say they believe two shooters were involved in the murder of Alan Meridian, who was shot dead in his car in an underground car park in Bondi Junction yesterday morning. Meridian was a convicted drug kingpin with close links to the Comanchero outlaw motorcycle gang. And NDIS Minister Bill Shorten has vowed to investigate allegations of widespread underpayment of disability support workers. The commitment comes after the New South Wales and ACT branch of the Australian Services Union claimed some members involved in the NDIS have been paid less than the minimum wage. The union says wage theft in the sector is rampant. I'm Ruby Jones. See you tomorrow. 